the Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And a special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 10. A Nice Friendly Game of Peekaboo Jason and the other Argonauts stumbled for the adjoining train car, taking cover in the rows of seats. "'What the hell was that?' asked the girl one. "'Dumb luck,' answered Jason. "'Dumb luck? Jerry's dead,' said the fat one. "'We all know the risks. We are the Argonauts, are we not? We laugh in the face of death. For one day we shall sail through the gates of hell.' knowing we had never backed down, and no debutante with her daddy's pistol can stop us from taking what we want. Jason stood and walked out of the train car, standing on the landing between the cars, he called out, Listen, I'm willing to forgive you for killing... Jason knew they had just told him the tall one's name, but it already slipped his mind. He should have had hats embroidered a long time ago. Oh well, maybe later. "'My man!' Jason said. "'After all, we are not here to hurt you. "'I have come to make you my wife. "'Together we will ride the highways of this country "'as king and queen of the road!' "'Damn it,' thought Jason. "'That sounded better before. "'Well, what do you say? "'You want to marry me?' "'Why?' asked Paris. "'Aren't you?' The most beautiful woman in the world? I don't know. I'd have to see the rest of the women in the world first. So, you're saying you're not the westward hoe? What? I asked from behind the barricade. Shh, said Paris to me. I'm sorry. I think you're confused. But fair warning, I have a gun. I will defend myself and my door from any misguided suitors. She yelled at the door. Jason had an idea. He crouched down and held his gun over his head and fired into the door. Paris shot through the wall again at where she thought Jason might be. Two bullets went through and passed over Jason's head. He looked at the door. It looked like a good kick would give it in. He fired one more bullet into the door. Paris fired another shot against the wall. She fired six shots already and knew her gun was now empty, but she pulled the trigger one more time anyways to allow the gun to click. Jason heard the soft click of the empty chamber, and he went back to the Argonauts. "'She's out of bullets,' Jason whispered. "'You three. Jason pointed to the short one, the fat one, and the old one. "'Kick the door down and grab the girl. I want to make an entrance. This will be my wife, after all.' The three Argonauts jumped up and took positions on the landing. The girl one leaned in and whispered to Jason, "'What is she reloading?' One girl against three of my best men? I'm a girl, and I can whip those idiots. You're no girl. You're an Argonaut. Besides, she's not a fighter. She's just some debutante from New York. What could possibly go wrong? I don't know, the girl one muttered under her breath. Maybe you should ask Jerry. The fattest of the Argonauts kicked hard at the door. The latch splintered and the door swung open. The three Argonauts stormed into the room and spread out, 
but they did not understand what they saw. They were looking at the white sheets that split the train car in half. They saw no girl. It was definitely not what they expected. Paris waited behind her cover for just a second to see if they would fire wildly at the sheet. She stood silently, the silhouette of the Argonauts clear to her on the other side of the curtain. She took only a moment to aim, and then fired two bullets into each of them. She set her guns down at her feet and took the two I held out for her. She kept them pointed out at the door. Two, three, and four, she whispered. I took two more guns and held them at the ready. Jason and the girl one heard the shots from the other car. They were fired so quickly and on top of each other, Jason lost count. Damn it! They weren't supposed to kill her! The girl one peeked out to see what had happened and quickly ducked back behind the seats. Well, don't worry, they didn't. They're dead. What? Jason made to stand so he could see, but the girl one pulled him back down. Look, Captain, I always carry a little insurance policy. The girl one pulled half a stick of dynamite out of her pocket. You had that in your pocket? It's perfectly safe, the girl one said and smacked it on the headrest of the chair in front of her. Jason jumped. Just as long as you don't catch it on fire. But that will kill her. That's possible. But if I throw it just inside the car, there's a good chance the explosion will simply disorient her. Then we can walk in and grab her, no problem. And if she dies? Well, then you'll have to settle for the second most beautiful woman in the world. Fair. But warn her first so that she can take cover. All right, fine. Match? Jason took out a match as the girl one attached a fuse about a foot long to the explosion. He held out the lit match trying to stay back at the same time. The girl one dipped the end of the fuse into the tiny flame until with sparks and smoke it lit. She yelled, Dynamite! Take cover! Then leaned out to aim. She tossed the explosive into the private car. It landed perfectly, just inside the door. Paris heard the warning and stood in surprise. She stepped through the curtain as the girl one leaned out from her cover to take aim. The dynamite landed, fuse sparkling just a few feet in front of Paris. She walked over, picked up the dynamite, pulled the fuse out, and stepped on it. She then put the dynamite in her pocket and drew her aim for where she had seen the girl one lean out from. Jason and the girl one sat behind cover. They had their hands over their ears and were waiting, but nothing happened. Jason looked at the girl one. She looked at him and shrugged her shoulders. She let go of her ears, then peeked out from the seats. Paris shot her in the head, and she died. Five, whispered Paris, and walked back behind the sheet curtain. Sitting next to me, whispering, she said, They threw dynamite at us. That's just reckless. Look at this. She pulled half a stick of dynamite from her pocket. You had that in your pocket? I asked. It's perfectly safe. Paris knocked it against the desk as long as you don't set it on fire. Jason stood, straightening his hat, pulled his cutlass, and checked to be sure his pistol was loaded. All right. It seems I have underestimated you. Come out and let's talk. Go ahead. Come out, yelled Paris. Just to talk, face to face. 
No shooting. You aren't going to shoot me? She asked. Are you going to shoot me? Jason questioned in response. Yes, said Paris. I just want to talk, and you're still going to shoot me. I don't want to marry you. Can you accept that and walk away? No. Then I'm going to shoot you. You haven't heard my offer. Marriage, yes, but so much more. Adventure, romance. We will ride through this world, stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, I suppose. For goods and services, yes. What I'm offering is the freedom everyone desires. Freedom as your slave? Well, as my wife, yes. One moment. Let me consider. Paris looked at me questioning. I shook my head no. No, she yelled. Let's talk face to face. I'm sure if you could see what you're passing up, you would change your mind. You are the most beautiful woman in the world. You deserve the most handsome man. It could be love at first sight. It would be tragic to fall in love with me after you shot me. Let me come out. Look me over. You won't regret it. All right, come out then. And you won't shoot me. No, she replied. No, what? he asked. Come on out, said Paris. And you promise you won't shoot me. No, I won't do that. No, you won't do what? he asked. Could you restate the question? Will you or won't you shoot me if I come out? Jason asked carefully. That's right, replied Paris. What's right? I either will or won't shoot you if you come out. You're going to shoot me, aren't you? Yes. Well then, on three. That's how it's done, agreed Paris. One. Jason didn't wait. He charged through the doors immediately, firing wildly into the room. Cutlass in one hand, he swung at the curtain, tearing it down. He sent forks flying from the ceiling. He didn't get a chance to see me and Paris crouching behind the desk, only Paris's gun and the top of her head peeking out from behind the barricade. She emptied her pistol into his chest. He was dead when he hit the ground. Six, whispered Paris. That should be all of them. I started to stand. Paris stopped me. There could be more we don't know about. We'll just wait here for Oscar. She began to reload her guns from the bullets around her belt. Her hands were shaking, and she dropped one of the bullets. I took her hands in mine. I'm okay. She tried to pull away. I held her tighter. It's okay, I said, as I held her hand. She let go of the gun. I set it gently down on the ground. I kissed her palm and then pressed it against my cheek, letting it rest there, my head in her hand. It's okay. You saved me. You saved us both. I'm not a killer. Please, don't think I'm a monster. No, not at all. You are my sword and my shield. You are my knight in leather armor. Paris giggled at my joke. Her hands stopped shaking. I can't seem to steady my hands sometimes, especially during a fight. That's the real reason for all the guns. I could never reload without dropping my bullets everywhere. It's okay. I think you got them all. We'll be fine now. 
Do you still love me? I love you more. In the wreckage of what had been my father's private train car, hiding behind a barricade of furniture, with dead bodies, silverware, guns, bullets, and a sword scattered about the floor, hiding from the rest of the world, Paris, without being teased or tricked into it, made her first move and kissed me. I kissed her back. Helen! Anna! Are you in there? Odysseus called from outside the train car. Paris jumped. She broke our kiss, and standing abruptly, she seemed to try to move in three different directions at once. Then began quickly gathering her pistols from around the floor. I reached out and caressed the calf of her leg. She dropped one of the guns. Stop that! We're going to get caught! Caught doing what, my love? Shh! she instructed. I smiled innocently closed my mouth, and pretended to lock it. Odysseus entered slowly, examining the door and stepping over the bodies. He came around to check on us. I stood behind Paris. "'Is anyone hurt?' he asked. "'No, we're fine,' I said. Paris had an armful of guns and moved over to the bar to set them down. "'You should have seen her. She was magnificent. A gun in both hands. She counted the bodies as they hit the floor.' Using my fingers as guns, I demonstrated. Bam! One dead! Bam! Two dead! Bam! 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 Three! Four! Five! Paris smiled to herself. She reloaded her guns and returned them to her holsters. Paris always liked it when people retold stories of what she had done. She never could seem to retell the stories herself, but to hear the pride and excitement in my voice helped her come to terms with the fact that she had just killed six people. Bam, 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 I continued. Hey, wait. Is this guy a pirate? Paris and Oscar came over to look down at Jason. Who is this guy? asked Paris. I don't know. The agency has nothing on a land pirate. Land pirate is not a thing, I said. He claims to be king of the road. Is that a thing? asked Paris. Not according to the Pinkertons. Well, I'll ask my uncle later. I'm sure he'll tell me the whole story, I said. Your uncle will know who this guy is? Oh, yeah, he knows everybody, eventually. How? Paris began to ask, but Odysseus set a hand on her shoulder and then shook his head. No. The train is not going any further, explained Odysseus. The men are unloading the carriage and we are getting off early. It will take a little longer to get there, but we shouldn't wait for them to send a new engine. So grab your things. Odysseus left, leaving the door open, not that it could be shut any more. A beam of sunlight came through the door. I stepped up, standing before the threshold. I reached out my hand. It crossed out of the door and into the light. My hand glowed. I could leave. I could just step outside. Not without my books. Paris, the door is open. We can leave the train car. Anna! Of course you are. I'm so sorry. I ran over to her and grabbed her hand. But we can go outside. See the West. I ran to my books and grabbed my case with both hands. Oh, wait. I set the case up on the bar and opened it. I removed volume two of Tales of the Old West and squatted next to Jason. I took his dead hand and set the book in it, then took both his hands and put them 
on his stomach away from the bloody mess that was his chest. Thank you for your kind offer of marriage. Sorry Paris had to shoot you, but really you should learn to accept no for an answer. Anyways, give this book to Hades and he will take care of you. I promise. See you next time, whoever you are. I turn to Paris. Do you have any change? Two pennies will be fine. She fished in her pockets and handed me two pennies. I closed Jason's eyes and set the pennies on them. Sleep well, I whispered. Then, standing, I turned to Paris. She held my case in one hand. Ready? she asked. You're going to carry my books for me. Yeah, they're not heavy. Let's go, I smiled and headed out. I stopped just inside the door. Paris had stepped out into the sun. Sensing that I hadn't followed, she turned to me and offered me her hand. She glowed bright, and the sunlight made it hard to look at her. I closed my eyes and held my breath. Then, taking her hand, I stepped through the door. I was outside. Hades watched us step off the train, my hand in hers. Well, that didn't take long, he thought. He knew he should follow. He didn't want to get too far behind, but he had a job to do first. He stepped carefully into the private car. Looking at the mess, he huffed and got to work. He set the table and chairs back up. He put Helen's tea set and a tiered snack tray where they belonged on the table. He placed a couple of PB&P sandwiches on it, and he sipped from my teacup as he sat for a minute, enjoying the quiet. Then, with a thread of annoyance, Hades asked Jason, Are you going to lie there all day, or are you going to join me for tea? Go away. I'm dead now, and deserve a bit of a nap, answered Jason. Get up, Jason. You know, you always were the laziest of all the heroes. That's not my name. Oh, yeah? Then what is your name? I'm Captain... Wait. Oh, damn. That is my name. Jason sat up. The pennies fell from his eyes. Then he went to sit across from Hades. What have you got there? Hades asked, pointing at the book. Oh, that woman told me to give this to you. He handed the book to Hades. That woman was Helen of Troy. I was killed by Helen of Troy? No, you were killed by Paris. Helen gave you the book, though. The Westward Ho, the most beautiful woman in the world. How did I not see that coming? <gasps> oh no, Medea. Jason held his head and buckled over a little as if in pain. Every... God damn time! Why do I do it? All I have to do is not betray her, and yet, life after life, I can't get this right. You can't defy your fate, Jason. You keep trying to change the events. A little advice. Decide what it is you want, then find a way through the events while holding on to what's important. Medea. It's always Medea. I know she's crazy, but... That's what I love about her. She's like living with a hurricane. It's always for her. I never want to marry Glaus, but to give the money to Medea. Then why not let her in on the scheme? You keep it secret. She gets so mad, so easy. It's best not to tell her about a plan she won't like 
until you have all your ducks in a row. Jason took a sip from Paris's cup. This is just water. I know. Have a sandwich. Hades pointed to the snack tray. Jason took a PB&P, smiling in surprise as he chewed. The problem is, knowing which duck is one duck too many, he explained, mouthful of sandwich. I honestly thought she'd go for it. It's not like it would be the first girl we shared. She's waiting for you, you know. Down there. I heard she lived. She wasn't on the Argo. I heard she opened a spicy chicken restaurant in the French Quarter. No, she's down there. She's still mad? The underworld has a way of cooling anger. And once the anger burns off, what remains is the love that fueled it. But she's not alone. You forgot about Glaus. Oh, poor Glaus. Well, Medea felt guilty for killing her, and she felt guilty for trying to steal her husband. Once they forgave each other, they became very close friends. Now they're waiting for you. Together? Yes. Why? Jason, you're an idiot, but you were always luckier than you deserve. You mean, I mean, the two women who love you the most are waiting for you to join them so that they can love you together, and you want to waste your time lying around this train car. Hades laughed. Right! Let's go! Jason stood. He looked down at the Argonauts dead on the floor of the train car. What about them? Well, do me a favor and I will do you one. Okay, what can I do? asked Jason. Give this book to Persephone for me. Okay? And Jason, keep your hands off her, or I will glue you to a chair for the rest of eternity. Got it? Got it. Jason nodded. Hades got up and walked to the door. Come on, it's waiting. Hades said as Jason followed him out of the train car, but instead of the grassy plains of the Midwest, there was just water. The train set on a vast ocean like a lost lifeboat, and then he saw it, cresting over the wave, bigger than he remembered, but still he knew it. It was the Argo. How? Jason whispered. Mortal spirits come here when their bodies die, but sometimes there are objects, fused with so much life of their own, that when they die, their spirits find this place as well. Like I said, luckier than you deserve, Hades explained. The Argo dropped anchor as it came alongside the train. A gangplank was lowered to Jason. From the rail, the Argonauts leaned over to see their captain. Not just the five that were with him, but many others who had passed before. Captain! called out the girl one. No, Rebecca. Her name was Rebecca. Also, Jerry, Fahad, Abuko, and Angus. Jason could remember their names. Sir, we are supposed to laugh in the face of death, not chit-chat in the face of death. And then they did. The Argonauts laughed in the face of death. Jason turned to Hades. Okay, one thing is still missing, said Jason. Oh yes, of course. He snapped his fingers, and out of the ocean, the frame of an immense gate rose out of the water. The ironwork doors had decorative scroll, depicting flowers and skulls and pomegranate trees, 
It rose to the size of a small mountain, then opened, revealing a dark void beyond. Jason held out his hand to Hades. Until next time, he held up the book, and I will give Persephone a kiss for you. Jason winked and turned to walk up the gangplank. Glued to a chair, Jason. I've done it before, Hades called after him. Captain on board, Rebecca called out. The other Argonauts all cheered. Pull anchor and set off. My queen should not be kept waiting, commanded Jason. Hades watched the ship sail through the gate. He could hear the Argonauts sing songs of adventure lost to time, songs that only they could remember. In the beginning, he and his brothers had rolled dice to decide who would rule over the realms. At the time, he thought he'd lost. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, read by Paris Lee. Artwork by me, Helen Lee. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of my artwork and Paris's writing at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. This podcast was made with the love and support of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.